Well, good morning, everyone. I'm Pastor Allen. Uh, we're in a series called God Is, and um, hopefully you're enjoying it as much as I am teaching it. Um, today's topic is um, a little bit complicated, so I'll warn you ahead of time. God is immutable, and that's kind of a weird word. We don't use that every day. It means basically God doesn't change, all right? God doesn't change. Well, I want you to think about, about something else first. Where do you turn, or to who do you turn when you're frustrated? When you're frustrated with what's going on in the world, when you're frustrated with what's going on in our country, in our city, when you're frustrated with people you work with or go to school with, when you're frustrated with uh, people you serve with, uh, when you're frustrated with, quote unquote, uh, intimate partners, couples, uh, parents, kids, your finances, your health. What do you do? I'll just confess a little bit. I get mostly frustrated with myself because of my inconsistencies. I'd rather, you know, and I'm a pretty scheduled person, but consistent with my relationship with God, consistent with my relationship with my wife, consistent in my taking care of my body and diet and exercise, consistent with just being more like Jesus. I get frustrated with myself that I keep messing up and I keep falling short and I say things I shouldn't, etc. So where do you turn? We're going to start by looking at a guy who wrote, we don't know who it was, one of the Psalms, and he's pretty frustrated uh, with life in his time frame. <clears throat> Lord, hear my prayer. So he's, he's praying to God. This is my, listen to my plea. He's pleading. Don't turn away from me in my time of, he uses the word distress. He's stressed. We would say stressed today. Bend down to listen and answer me quickly when I call to you. Now, I like that word quickly. When you and I pray, we want God to do it just like that, don't we? We want it to happen quickly. Most of the time, it doesn't happen quickly. Sometimes, but not most of the time. But this guy is stressed. He's, he's frustrated, and he wants things to change, right, for the better. My days disappear like smoke, and my bones burn like red-hot coals. Now, some of you young people probably don't feel that way, but some of us older folks, that seems like life is. It's going by pretty quickly, and our bodies just got aches and pains, right? He said, his heart is sick, withers like, like grass, and I've lost my appetite. Now, I don't usually lose my appetite. You ever been stressed out, you, don't lose, you lose your appetite? But he's talking about life is difficult. And one of the difficulties in life is so much change. Everything changes, doesn't it? Uh, music changes. Uh, our praise team, they, they continually change the songs that they lead us in worship with. Um, but secular music changes. Uh, fashions change. Hairstyles change. Um, politics change. Interesting, even laws change, right? I think marijuana is legal now and it wasn't all my lifetime, right? Everything changes. Our appearance changes as we age, right? Gravity does its effect on us. So how do you deal with it? How do you, you know, deal with, with change? I thought of something Paul said. When we're feeling this way, which is basically we're feeling pretty weak, right? He said, when I'm weak, then I'm strong. When I'm weak in myself, I can depend upon God's 
strength. So where do you, where do you go for security? Where do you go? What, who do you count on when everything seems to be changing? So we'll fast forward to the end of the psalm, and here's what the author says. Long ago, he's speaking to God, you laid the foundations of the earth, made the heavens with your hands. They will, which is interesting, we usually think in Revelation it talks about heaven and earth passing away. Well, no, it's way back in, in the psalm. The earth will perish, but you remain the same forever. They, the heavens and the earth, are going to wear out like clothing. Interesting. You will change them like a garment and discard them, but you, God, always the same, immutable, right? Always the same. You will live forever. Now, I could have written this down out of Hebrews chapter 1. The author of Hebrews quotes this uh, passage in the beginning of his, his letter. So I'll warn you ahead of time, we're going to be kind of jumping all over the Bible. And again, this is a, a topic that uh, raises more questions and gives us answers. So if you're a little frustrated with the teaching today, when we're finished, I'll understand that. So, is God immutable? Well, let's see what, it, what, what the Bible says. Malachi. I am the Lord, I do not change. Okay, there's our answer, right? Now, we talked about He's a God of mercy, He's a God of grace, He's a God of holiness, He's a God of love. All what we would consider good things, right? So it's good that God doesn't change because then He would be not loving or not merciful, etc., etc. And then in Hebrews it says this, Jesus Christ, who is God, is the same yesterday, same today, same tomorrow, same forever. So He doesn't change. So whatever he is, we would say, good, we don't want him to change. Perfect, we don't want him to change. And he says he doesn't change. So, if God is perfect, then he can't get any better, can he? Or he wouldn't have been perfect. And the flip side is, because God is perfect, he can't get any worse. So whatever he is, it's not going to change, it's not going to get better, not going to get any worse. So here comes the dilemma. If God doesn't change, can he change his mind? You ever think about that? If God doesn't change, if he's immutable, can he change his mind? Follow-up question for me is this then. If he can't change his mind, why do I pray? I don't know about you, most of the time I pray, I want God to do something. I want God to heal something, to fix something, change something. Well, if he's going to do it anyway, am I just to be a fatalist? Am I wasting my time praying? Now, most of you, I'm assuming, pray. Why do you pray if God's not going to change? So let's dig in a little bit deeper. Like I said, there's going to be more questions than answers. In Numbers, context of this passage is, uh, some of you will know the story, some of you won't. This is King Balak. He wants Balaam, who is a prophet, to curse the Israelites because he's not an Israelite. But he's a prophet of God, and he keeps telling this king, I can't do anything God doesn't want to do. So here's part of that story. He says, God is not a man. This is important. God is not a man. We refer to him as Heavenly Father, but he's not a man. So he does not lie. He is not human. 
Think of him as being almost human because Jesus was. But no, he's not human. He does not change his mind. There we have our answer, right? Balak, Balaam told Balak, God's not going to change his mind. I can pray. You can pay me all the money you want. God's not going to change his mind. So we've solved the, answered the question, right? All right, let's go back to Moses. Israelites just got out of Egypt. Moses goes up on the mountain to talk to God, and the Israelites get impatient. And so they get Aaron to build this golden calf to worship. And God's furious, right? And Moses comes down and sees this, and God says, I'm going to destroy him, right? And what's Moses do? He, he goes to God and, and, and prays, and he begs God not to destroy them. So what's it say in Exodus 32? So the Lord changed his mind. Well, wait a minute. We just read he doesn't change his mind. In this case, about the terrible disaster he had threatened to bring on his people. Now, anytime we have what appearing appears a dilemma in Scripture, we need to interpret the Bible, it's on your outline, in light of the Bible and in light of the context. That's why I was telling you the context. And there's a big word we need to talk about next, anthropomorphism. How many people know what it is? I'm sure some of you know what it is. Yeah, I see a couple hands. Most of you probably don't know what it is. Simply means this, attributing human characteristics. Here I put to God, but not to God, to anything that's not human. So I'll give you an example. Put it on the screen. Who knows who that is? Kung Fu Panda. Now, do pandas do Kung Fu? Do pandas talk? No, that's anthropomorphism. Now, it's kind of silly in this case, but when we're dealing with God, it's critical. God is not a man. God is spirit. God does, all right, Genesis. God is walking in the garden with Adam and Eve. Does God have legs? Does God have feet? I don't think spirits do. We talk about God being angry or God being this. Does God have emotions? I would say he's kind of above emotions. So, back to Moses. Maybe we can think about it this way. God already knew he's going to be, quote-unquote, angry, if that's an emotion. And God already knew he was going to be merciful and spare them. And maybe he just wanted Moses to take the leadership he needed to take and defend his people. Maybe that's what's going on. Moses saw it as God changing his mind. But we already read that God doesn't change his mind. So back to our question about prayer. God doesn't change his mind. Why do I spend time praying? James talks about prayer. He says this, you don't have what you want because you didn't ask God for it. That's interesting, right? Most of us will say, there's lots of things I've asked God for that I don't have. He also talks about Asking for the wrong things. He also talks about having the wrong motive for asking things. And then 1 John, um, John, one of the apostles, said this. Whoever has the Son, Jesus, has life. What does he mean by life? Whoever does not have the Son does not have life. He's going to tell us. We're talking about an eternal life, or eternal relationship with God. When you have a relationship with Jesus, eternity 
starts because that relationship starts and it's going to go on for eternity. So I write these things to you who believe in the name of the Son of God so that you may know, underline, if you've got an outline, underline that word no. <laughs> so you may know that you have eternal life. Now, if I was to ask you if you're going to heaven when you die, what would you tell me? Some of you say, oh, well, I hope so, or maybe, or, or whatever. No, 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 no. You should know. But the Bible says you should know. John says you should know. Simple formula for knowing. If you believe Jesus Christ is the Son of God, who lived a perfect life and suffered and died for you, and then rose from the dead and conquered death, you can accept that gift of His death in your place. So you won't be separated from God for eternity. You'll have a relationship with God. So if you've done that, you know that you have eternal life. If you've not done that, then you should know that you don't have eternal life. It's not based on how good you are or what you've done or how much money you've given away or any of those other things. Based on that one simple thing. So then he goes on, there is confidence. If you ask me if I'm going to heaven when I die, I say, yeah, absolutely. I'm confident of that. Not because of anything I've done, but because of what God and Jesus did for me. So this is the confidence we have approaching God. Now I have a relationship with God, just like I have a relationship with my wife. I have confidence approaching her. You ever speak to a, when you were dating or whatever, you know, introduce yourself to somebody new? You don't have much confidence then, do you? But now you have a relationship, you have confidence. That is, now here's what the confidence is based on. If I ask anything, he'll hear us, he'll do it. Is that what it says? I ask it, he's going to do it. Notice what it says. Ask anything according to his will. He hears us. Now, why should we pray that way? Jesus prayed that. Jesus didn't want to die on a cross. We need to express what we feel. But he ended his prayer, not my will, but yours be done. Why would you say that? Because God is perfect. If you ask for anything other than what God wants, you're asking for something what? That's less than perfect. Does that make any sense? Doesn't make any sense, does it? So we all should pray that prayer at the end of our prayer. Your will be done, because your will is perfect. You're a loving God, a merciful God, etc., etc. I like to think of it this way. God loves us too much to give us less than that. Parents, you do that with your kids, right? You love them too much to give them stuff that's not good for them. You understand that? We should understand it with God. So, back to our question then. So, what then is the purpose of prayer? If it's not to get God to change his mind and give me what I want, what, why, why pray? Well, let me give you a suggestion. The purpose of prayer is not to get God to do our will. But it is for us to know God. It's about relationship. So we can do his will. Those of you who have been married a long time, some of us have been married a long time. <clears throat> I love my wife, and I just get joy out of doing stuff for her. Not get her to do stuff for me. Same thing with the relationship with God. We should enjoy doing for Him. Another way to say it is express my need of him. So what does what what does prayer do? What does it do? Let me suggest this to you. 
Prayer reminds us that we're not in control. See, when I'm praying for God to do this and to do that, or not do this, or change that, I'm trying to claim control, right? God, you aren't going to do that, but I'm going to control, so I'm going to get you to do that. Kind of silly, but that's what we do, right? So it reminds us that we're not in control. I'm not in control, God. I don't know enough to be in control. I don't have the power to be in control. And it keeps us close to the one who is. So if God's in control, I want to be close to the one that's in control, right? Now, we all have issues, right? We all have problems. Maybe you've got, we've got a bunch of kids up here in the front now, middle schoolers and high schoolers. Sometimes as a parent, that's a tough time, right? They're trying to find themselves. Someone comes, they're rebellious. So you might have teenage issues. You might have uh, relationship issues in other areas. You might have financial, just struggling financially. One step forward, two steps back. Doesn't seem like you can get ahead. What do you do? Where do you turn? Who can you count on? God doesn't change. Let me uh, fill this in a little bit. Three specific areas where God doesn't change. <clears throat> One, God's Word never changes. Call it the Bible. This never changes. Right? Written thousands of years ago, and it hasn't changed since. But what's important is what's in it that doesn't change. Um, could have put lots of things down here. Verse out of Isaiah. The grass withers and the flowers fall. The leaves change. That time of year, right? But the Word of God endures forever. It goes on. It doesn't change. Back to heaven and earth will pass away. Jesus is talking. This is in, when He's talking about the end of time in Matthew chapter 24. Heaven and earth will pass away, but my words will never Pass away. Now, I asked the question in the first service. Well, we have Bibles in heaven. I mean, we'll be Jesus' presence. We can just kind of ask Him. Or maybe we'll just have it all memorized. I don't know. But His Word's never going to pass away. Someone's put it this way. When you and I read it, it reads us. How often have you read something in it and got, I used the word convicted? Well, yeah. I should be watching my tongue better than I do now. Or I should be loving my wife more than than I do. Or I should be telling people about Jesus more than I do. Never changes. God's Word never changes. God's character, and this has been our study for the last five or six weeks, God's character never changes. We talked about love, God's love, two weeks ago. And Romans 8, I want to read that to you again. It's so powerful. It's so uh, assuring. So Paul asked the question, can anything ever separate us from Christ's love? Important question. God has got this tremendous unconditional love for us. Is there anything that can kind of wedge in there and disrupt it or separate us? And here's the question. Does it mean he, he stopped loving us because we have troubles or calamities or persecution or hunger or destitute or in danger or threatened with death? That's what we kind of think, well, God must not love me or God must not like me because my life's not going very good. So that's the question he's asking, right? Well, is that true? Well, he answers the question for us. <laughs> What's the answer? No. That's pretty simple. No. 
despite all these things, overwhelming victory. I don't know what that means. Some translations say more than conquerors. How can you do more than conquering? I don't know. But it's pretty awesome, right? Overwhelming victory is ours through Christ who loved us. Not that I did it, but he did it, right? And he goes on. I am convinced, there's that word again, that nothing can ever separate us from God's love. Neither death, nor life, angels, demons, fears for today, or worries about tomorrow. We talk about fear and worry a lot. Not even the powers of hell can separate us from God's love. The text goes on. No power in the sky above or in the earth below. Indeed, nothing in all of creation will ever be able to separate us from the love of Christ revealed in love of God that is revealed in Christ Jesus our so God's love for you and I is 100% secure. You can bank on it, right? You can be confident in it because God's attributes, qualities, never change. Um, one, more, one more verse out of Isaiah. <clears throat> Remember the things I've done in the past. Uh, we observed the Lord's Supper communion this morning in the first service. And when we partake of those elements, what does it say? Do this in remembrance of me. The Bible's always talking about remembering. We just kind of forget those important things. Remember the things I've done in the past. For I alone am God. I am God and there's no one like him. He's unique. He's in control. I like to think of it this way. I can't comprehend him, but I don't want to be able to comprehend God. If I could, he wouldn't be any greater than I am. And that would be scary. So, when you are stressed, or when you worry, or when you're afraid, remember what God has done in the past. And the third thing, and I love this one, God's promises never change. Uh, we've got a bunch of them in here. Someone's counted them and said there's 7,000. 7,000. You don't need to raise your hand, but did you ever have somebody break a promise? Probably all have. Especially as a child. Get back to your childhood and maybe your parents promised you something and they didn't do it. How'd you feel? It's devastating, wasn't it? Because you loved your parents, you know they loved you and, and they promised you something and you know, take you to the zoo and they didn't take you to the zoo. You're crushed. What if God didn't keep his promises? But he does. Let me give you an illustration. <laughs> How many of you like gift cards? You like gift cards? That kind of depends, doesn't it? It's still a restaurant you like or a store you, you like to shop in. It's kind of nice because you can get what you want, right? And if somebody gives you a present, this statistic is kind of all over the place, but merchants love these. You know why? There's more than $15.5 billion on these cards that nobody's redeemed. So that's a, a meal that the restaurant didn't have to prepare for you or a, an item the store didn't have to give to you. So they love these. So it wasn't cashed in. It wasn't redeemed. It was an un claimed promise. Because this store is promised, this is what? Applebee's has promised 
to give me $10, the value of $10 for this card, right? So how much more? 7,000 promises of God that you and I have left unredeemed, unclaimed, not benefited from. I love the way Paul put it in 2 Corinthians. In Jesus, we hear a resounding yes to all God's many promises. God shows no favoritism. So what are some of God's promises? Uh, I was going to put a bunch on the outline. I thought, no, there's so many of them. So the Bible says, God, uh, I'll never leave you or forsake you. And Jesus says, yes, I'll never leave you or forsake you. Though you walk through the valley of shadow of death, you don't need to fear evil. Jesus says, yes, you don't need to fear evil. Whatever promises God is yes in Jesus. So whatever you're going through, I almost guarantee you there's a promise of God that concerns that issue, relationship issues, whatever it might be, health issues. Jesus is the great physician. So I want you to do something for me this week, all right? I'll bring this up in my small groups, but where have you seen God keep his promise to you? in your life. When was the time he didn't leave you or forsake you? When was the time he walked with you through the valley of the shadow of death? When was the time you didn't need to fear? Whatever it might be. Once you've got it, share it with someone so they can benefit from it and you can benefit from sharing it with them. Would you do that for me? Let me pray. Ah, Father God, Most of the time, I'm, I can't say all the time, but most of the time, I'm, I'm delighted that you don't change. I should be all the time, but sometimes I want things that evidently you don't want. But that's okay, because you're perfect, so I wouldn't want less than perfect. And God, I'm sure in a group this size, there's some people that don't know, they wouldn't say, yes, I'm confident I'm going to heaven when I die. And God, I would pray today would they would come to the place of understanding, that they would be confident, they would know I'm in relationship with you, God, now, so when I'm, this earthly body dies, I'll go to be in your presence. Not because of anything I've done, because of what you've done, Jesus. So if you're in that place today, I would, I would encourage you, I'd plead with you, I'd beg you to step across that line and say yes. Jesus, you died for me. You love me that much. All of us struggle with stress, fear, worry, anxiety, frustration. God, help us to see that our trust can be in you. We don't need to be frustrated. Annoyed a little, maybe. <laughs> Not frustrated. God, you care so deeply for us. How do we ever doubt you? Thank you for your grace, your mercy, your love for us. In the name of Jesus, we pray. The powerful name of Jesus. Amen.